بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله we thank and we praise Allah عز وجل as he allows us once again together and to learn his deen, walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen, and more specifically, the tafsir of uh, the surahs of his Qur'an, walhamdulillah, and completing or continuing on from last week, where we spoke about suratul Quraysh, um, we're moving on to the next surah in the Qur'an, which is suratul Ma'un, which is suratul, uh, suratul Ma'un, the small kindnesses, the small uh, kindnesses. So, Allah Azza wa Jal, He says in the Quran, or He says in the Surah, أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينَ أَرَأَيْتَ الَّذِي يُكَذِّبُ بِالدِّينَ Have you seen the one who denies a deen? Have you seen the one who denies a deen? So, firstly, Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala, He says, أَرَأَيْتَ And the word, uh, yeah, this, 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 ضَمِيرْ, uh, this ta' at the end, which comes at the end of the verb, means you. Have you seen, يعني, O Muhammad? Have you seen, O Muhammad, the one who denies ad-deen? Right? Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he explains and he says, the word ad-deen means the year after. It means the akhirah. It means al-jaza'. It means the, the recompense that will happen in the akhirah. And it also means the final reward. So this is what the word ad-deen means. Right? Ad-deen here does not mean the religion. Right? As we usually understand the word deen. Our deen means our religion. No. In this context here, the word ad-deen and in many other places of the Quran, Maliki deen the day of recompense. For example, right? Um, here again, this refers to ad-deen meaning the recompense which will happen in the akhirah. Um, or the akhirah in general. Have you seen those who deny the akhirah? Have you seen those who deny the, the Akhirah? Also at the end of Surah At-Teen, we spoke about this, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, um, أَلَيْسَ اللَّهُ بِأَحْكَمِ الْحَاكِمِينَ And before that, إِلَّا الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَعَمِلُوا الصَّالِحَاتِ لَهُمْ أَجْنُ غَيْرُ مَمْنُونَ فَمَا يُكَذِّبُكَ بَعْدُ بِالدِّينَ There's the ayah, فَمَا يُكَذِّبُكَ بَعْدُ بِالدِّينَ Right, and you can refer back to that ayah over there. But those who also reject ad-deen, not the religion, but the akhirah, the, re- the, 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 the reward in the akhirah, and so forth. Ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah says, even though the address is specifically to the Prophet sallallahu as we said, Ara'ayta, Allah is speaking to him, have you seen, right? It can also be a general meaning that this not necessarily is or may not necessarily be referring directly to the Prophet sallallahu even though the word the ta is used, it can still be in a general sense referring to all of the ummah. Have you, everybody amongst you, have you seen those who reject ad-deen, yani those who reject and those who deny the year after, those who deny um, the reward and the jaza and the recompense and so forth of the year after. So this ayah refers to those who reject the resurrection. And this is what Ibn Uthaymin says, it refers to those who reject the, the resurrection. And this was a common belief Amongst the Quraysh, the Quraysh had a common belief which was that they rejected the, the, the resurrection. And they would try logically to prove 
or to disprove revelation, sorry, to disprove resurrection, right? As Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَإِذَا مِتْنَا وَكُنَّا تُرَابًا وَعِظَامًا أَإِنَّا لَمَبْعُوثُونَ When we are dead and reduced to dust and bones, will we really be resurrected? Our آبَاؤُنَا الْأَوَّلُونَ And our forefathers as well? This was the logical deduction. Once we died, and what happens after a person dies? His body becomes dust and bones and it decomposes into the ground and so forth. So for them, logically speaking, how can we be resurrected after this? And our forefathers who died before us as well, well, will they really be resurrected? This is what they used to say. In other ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, uh, they used to say, قَالَ مَنْ يُحْيِي الْعِظَامَ وَهِيَ رَمِيمٌ And this is, you know, what they used to say to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Al-Aas ibn Wa'il, for example, from the heads of the Quraysh, Ubay ibn Khalaf, and others, they used to say these things. And they even came to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, they used to, this is how they used to, belittle him and try to mock him. So they used to come to him with a bone. This happened with Al-Aas ibn Wa'il and I think as well with Ubay ibn, uh, Ubay ibn Khalaf where they came with a, a bone that was already de- de- decayed or decomposing. And what he did was he, he took this bone and he, he said, Are you saying, O Muhammad, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will be able to resurrect this bone? And then what he did was he crushed it. And then he took the fragments and he blew it into the face of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. As if to show, show now it's finished, it's gone, it's withered away. It's completely decomposed, it's completely decayed, it's completely disintegrated. And Rasulullah of course said, yes, Allah will resurrect it. And he will resurrect you after you die. And then he will enter you into the fire. And then Allah Azza wa Jalla revealed this ayat in Surah Yasin, and we all know this ayat, or many of us know this ayat, and we can refer back to this, these last few ayat in Yasin, which was revealed on this type of issues where they would say these type of things. And he brings us an example, Allah says, the example of the bone. And he forgets his own creation, Allah responds. Allah created him in the first place from nothing, a clot of blood, from dust. If Allah can do that, why can He not then resurrect you once again? So your logic is flawed. Allah then says, He brings us an example using the bone, but then He forgets, he forgets His own creation. And then He says, Who will give life to decayed bones? Who is the one? The one who ansha'aha awwala marrah. That's the one. The one who produced it in the first place. He is the one who will give life to a decayed bone. Subhanallah. And we can refer back to those ayat in Yasin and read how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala responded and allowed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to respond to these people. So they rejected the resurrection. This is what that ayah is speaking about. Have you seen these people who reject revelation or uh, resurrection? They reject res- resurrection, the akhirah, the, the recompense and so forth, all of these things. Then the next ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَذَٰلِكَ الَّذِي Another example of what they do. Another characteristic of these people is, have you seen them? They also are those who, the one who repulses the orphan. That is the one who repulses the orphan. Here again, Imam Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, he said, meaning he is the one who oppresses the orphan. And he does not give him his due justice. He does not feed him, nor is he kind to him. Right? And 
This is of course something major. This is of course something major. He oppresses the orphan. So either he takes what, what is due unto the orphan and he, he steals it from him. Or he withholds it for him from him and he keeps it for himself. He does not give him his just due, his, his due justice. Yani what is deserved, what is supposed to be his, he does not get. He doesn't feed him, nor is he kind to him. He repulses the orphan. Shaykh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah said, not showing mercy to orphans. This is what the ayah is telling us. These people, they don't show mercy to orphans. And they are the most deserved of, of, of one's mercy. Now, the orphans have lost their parents. They've lost their parents and many at a young age lost their parents. So they are the most deserved of mercy and shafaqah and, and, and compassionate and compassion. Right? Their hearts are broken and they are in need of a, of a comforter. This is the reality when it comes to orphans. So when somebody comes and shows them harshness and shows them and oppresses them, then really this person, what is the state of his heart? Wallahu al-musta'an. And then Ibn Uthaymi says, this is why many texts of the Qur'an and the Sunnah have mentioned the virtue of good treatment towards orphans. But these people, they repulse the orphans as Allah says. Yaddu'u al-yateem. yateem means they treat them with harshness. With harshness. And it means to drive them away with force. That's what the word yaddu'u means. To drive someone out with force. To repulse them, to chase them away. To show them this, uh, this lack of sympathy, lack of compassion. He belittles them and he chases them away forcefully. This is what the, these people, what they do. So we look at just a few ayat and ahadith to show us the importance of, of orphans in Islam. So that we understand the importance and so that we take a lesson and that we do not become like these people. Allah Azza wa Jalla says, وَعَبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا Firstly, worship Allah alone. Most important of all obligation, at-tawheed. Worship Allah alone, wala tushriku bihi shay'a, and associate none with him. Wabil walidayni ihsana, and be kind to parents. Wabidil qurba, your relatives. Wal yatama wal masakin. The orphans and the poor. And then Allah mentions the rest of the people in the ayah that we are supposed to show goodness towards our parents, our relatives, and then orphans. Number three is orphans, waliyatama. The poor, near and distant neighbors, close friends, travelers, and those bonds people in your position, surely Allah does not like whoever is arrogant or boastful. Right? Clearly the ayah tells us to show ihsan towards the, the, the orphans amongst others as well. In Sahih Muslim, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, the one who sponsors an orphan, whether it is a relative of his or not, he and I will be like these two in paradise. And he meant with his forefinger and his middle finger. Imam Malik then pointed with his forefinger and his, his uh, middle finger. So like this, like this together, together like this, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, whoever sponsors an orphan, he looks after the orphan. He provides for him. Then, whether it's a relative or not, it doesn't have to be a family member that has been orphaned. It can be any orphan that has lost a parent or parents. They are in need. And you look after them, you sponsor them, you provide for them. Rasulullah said, he and I will be like this in paradise. Like these two fingers together. Like this in paradise. Subhanallah. Sahih Muslim. Another hadith, Abu Darda, radiallahu anhu, he said, that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, 
bring the orphan close to you. Pat or rub his head. And you show him, that's a sign of compassion. You know, you take a child, you just rub his head gently, you put your hand on his head gently to show him some love, some compassion, some gentleness. And feed him with the same food you eat. Don't belittle him. Don't treat him like a, you know, you give him the leftovers or scraps or cheap food. Feed him with what you eat. Treat him, show him like he's one of yours, like he's your child. Show him that love, that compassion. And the Prophet said, it will soften your heart. Ya Salam. Firstly, it's not just benefiting, it will soften your heart. Allah, this is the words of the Prophet it will soften your heart and it will fulfill your need. Through this, Allah will put barakah in your life, in your wealth, in your food, in whatever it is, and it will fulfill your needs. This is the reward that comes with having mercy and compassion towards orphans. And again, as we said, they are the most deserved of, 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 of this love and mercy and, and compassion. Rasulullah also said, whoever embraces an orphan of two Muslim parents by feeding him and giving him drink until he is independent of him, paradise will, be certainly, in, uh, will certainly be necessary for him. Paradise will, be, will certainly be necessary for him. Yani his reward is Jannah. His reward is guaranteed Jannah. Wajabat lahul Jannah. Jannah is, is become compulsory for him. For what? Looking after, after orphans. Giving them until they are now independent. They are now, they've grown up. They have their own wealth and so forth. They either inherited something or they've grown up to a point where they can work. And they're now self-sufficient. So you've raised them, you've you know, you've nurtured them and so forth. You've provided for them. Until this point, wajabat lahul jannah. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, jannah is now compulsory for him. It's now certainly necessary for him. Subhanallah. I think one last hadith, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, Oh Allah, I have issued a warning in regards to the rights of two vulnerable groups of people, the orphans and women. So yeah, he makes it very clear. It's a warning. This is a warning. That he has warned the people to make sure the rights of two people, two groups of people are looked after. Vulnerable people are generally considered to be weaker. They need help, they need assistance, they need support. And they are the orphans and women. Yani Muslimin do not transgress against these two groups. Do not oppress these two groups of, of insan, of humankind. The orphans and the women folk. Protect them, look after them. As, especially as men Allah says they are the, the ones who support the, the women they overlook them, they oversee them and so forth alam. then the surah goes on and Allah says وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ وَلَا يَحُضُّ عَلَى طَعَامِ الْمِسْكِينَ and he does not encourage the feeding of the poor he does not encourage the feeding of the poor. So firstly, what, what, what are these people? What are their traits? He disbelieves or he rejects the ad-deen, yani, the year after, or the recompense, or the last day, etc. Right? Secondly, he does not or he repulses the orphans. He's rude and oppressive towards orphans. Thirdly, he does not encourage the feeding of the poor. He does not encourage or he's not urged to feed the poor. Ibn Kathir rahimahullah says, This is similar to another ayah in the Quran where Allah Azza wa Jal says, 
wala tahaduna ala ta'amin miskin samana very samana ayat to the two ayat we just discussed or the two that we are the one we just discussed and the one that we are busy discussing allah says nay but you treat not the orphans with kindness and generosity la tukrimuna al-yatim you don't honor them you don't show them kindness and generosity you don't show the orphans this secondly wala tahaduna ala ta'amin miskin and you do not urge one another Towards the feeding of the masakin, to the miskin, the poor, the needy. You do not urge one another on the feeding of al-miskin. Al-miskin are the poor. Yani the poor man who has nothing to sustain and suffice his needs. Mikathir explains what's meant by miskin. The poor person who has nothing to sustain himself and to suffice his needs. You do not encourage each other, nor are you encouraged to feed them. You're not interested in helping them. So similarly in this ayat over here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions very similar to this surah over here that we are speaking in Al-Ma'oon, similar things. You do not show kindness and generosity towards the orphans and you urge not one another on the feeding of the poor. Shaykh ibn Uthaymin rahimahullah explains and he says, this person is not bothered by showing mercy to others. He is not interested in showing mercy to, to others. The miskin or needy is the one in need of food. In this context, right? We're speaking about ta'am. We're speaking about food. So he's in need of food. But this man is not encouraged or urged to feeding him. This is because his heart is hard like a rock. Or even harder than that. And Allah mentions this in the Quran. Allah says some people's heart becomes hard like a rock. Like a rock, like a stone. And some people, oh, ashaddu qaswa, even harder than that. Even harder than a rock. Their hearts become like this. And this is why we said, if you show harshness to an orphan, a child that comes to you that has no parents, that, that is completely in need, they, all they need is compassion and love and support and mercy and sympathy and so forth, and you show harshness and rudeness to them, you throw them out, you oppress them, you steal from them. How bad are you then not as a person? And this is what these, these ayat are telling us. How evil are you not as a How destroyed is your heart? What state is your iman? What state is your heart? Subhanallah. And this is why the Sheikh says, their heart is hard like a rock or even harder than that. So he has no mercy to the orphans and neither towards the poor and the needy. Again, when you look at the poor, when we look at the poor, what happens? Many things happen. Firstly, we feel sorry for them, which is natural. We see people suffering. We see people who are suffering not just out of hunger, but with disease and anorexia and so forth. We see the state that they live in, the clothes that they're wearing, the way they scratch in bins looking for anything to eat. Subhanallah, so many things. And we feel for them. And this is Iman. This is the softness of your heart. This is humanity. And then, of course, we feel a sense of gratitude for what we have. But the person who sees the poor in this state and still turns away without any worry, without any urge to feed them, to help them, what state is this person's heart in? This is why the Sheikh says he is a hard-hearted individual. His heart is dead. His heart is covered with blackness, with sin, with evil. And therefore his heart doesn't feel. So he's a heart-hearted 
قاسي his heart is he's a قاسي يعني meaning his heart is like a brick if not harder than that harder than a rock والله المستعان but the righteous people again what do we strive for that's what we need to avoid what do we strive for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa yut'imuna at-ta'ama ala hubbihi miskinan wa yatiman wa asira wa yut'imuna at-ta'ama ala hubbihi miskinan wa yatiman wa asira and the righteous the abrar again check these ayat in surah insan read from the beginning of surah it's a beautiful surah surah insan Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about in al-abrara right and then he carries on some of their traits and he mentions they give food despite their desire for it to who to the miskin and to the orphan and to the captive the prisoner so they have desire yani something that they are perhaps in need of or that they are inclined towards is food that they like that they enjoy but they see others who are more in need than they are more desperate than they are like the poor miskinan wayatiman and the orphan wa asira and the captive so they give for what for whom inma nut'imukum liwajhillah they say to themselves we feed you only for the sake of allah for the face of allah liwajhillah that's all we want we are only seeking the pleasure of allah the reward of allah the countenance of allah the face of allah so one day in jannah we will get to see the face of allah that's our reward bi idnillah that's what we want we're not looking for la nuridu minkum jazaan wala shukura we seek neither reward nor thanks from you we don't even want you to say shukran we don't want we don't have to say shukran we don't want a reward from you or anything understand this is the believer this is the righteous person he gives what he wants or from that which he wants from what he desires he gives it to others because that's a believer as the hadith says la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsihi a person will not attain to true iman until he loves his brother what he loves himself so that food he loves himself but he gives it to the poor he gives it to his brothers he gives it to others because he loves others what he loves himself and secondly he wants the reward from allah and he feels for people he is compassionate to others He's a person who's merciful. The Prophet said, you show mercy to others and the one in the heavens will show mercy to you. You show mercy to those on this earth and the one who is in the heavens will show mercy to, the, to, to you. Subhanallah, who is obviously Allah who is above the heavens. So, the righteous, they feed people for the sake of Allah. Seeking neither reward nor thanks. On this point, uh, Ibn rahimahullah, he mentioned that sometimes what people do is they do a, a good deed and they do a favor for others whatever it may be and when the people want to respond they say we don't want anything you don't have to do anything just make dua just make dua just make dua for me so on that point ibn uthaymin rahimahullah says we should try even to avoid saying that even to avoid saying just make dua for me because when we say that we are technically asking them for something in return even though it's a good thing even we're not saying it's bad or sinful but the higher level is what we also want to reach at times so if we look at this ayah they are saying la nuridu minkum we want nothing from you no reward or thanks but when you say we just make dua that's technically we want that's a type of thanks 
You know, that's a type of gratitude that you are asking them for when you say make a dua. Or a type of reward that you are asking them for. So therefore, give and walk away. If they want to make dua, they will. If they are truly grateful, they will make dua for you. You know, so give and walk away. Don't ask not even for dua. You give, they say, Jazakallah khayran. You say, Wa anta fa jazakallah khayr. They say, they make dua for you by saying, May Allah reward you with the best. You say, and for you, may Allah reward you with, you, with the best. They say to you, shukran. You say to them, uh, afwan. Which means, you know, excuse me. Or, as shukran to you too. Whatever. They make dua for you, make dua in return. Show you, they show you kindness, you show them kindness. But never ask for anything, even if it means, don't even say, just make dua. Just say, barakallah, may Allah bless you. May Allah, you know, increase you and so forth. May Allah ease your affairs. If they, if they say anything to you, that's how you respond. But don't ask and say, um, you know, you just make dua for me. This is a higher level that you are speaking about. There's nothing wrong in saying this. There's no, nothing haram about it or even makru. But the higher level is to even avoid that. No one knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala also says in Surah Al-Balad, and again refer to this ayat and read the full context. We can't place all the ayat in, in, uh, in the, into the slides. But Allah mentions that we should follow this challenging path of goodness. And part of this path is what? أو إطعام في يوم ذي مسغبة is to give food in times of famine, times of difficulty, in times where there's, there's a lack, there's a shortage. To give food in those times to others. This is a high level. Right? Ibrahim al he said, They feed the hungry at times when food is not ample. This is the believers, the righteous. They give to the others that were hungry in times when the food is not ample. Muhammad ibn al-Munkadir, he said, Feeding hungry Muslims guarantees the forgiveness of sins. And he also said, Feeding the hungry and saying kind words to others Usher you to paradise, to, to Jannah. It ushers you to Jannah, feeding the hungry, right? These are this is the way of the mu'minin, right? And it's not the way as we see in in this ayat with as those people who are not encouraged to to feed. Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam commanded us in a hadith and he says, "At'imu al-jaiya, at'imu al-jaiya, feed the hungry, wa'udu al-marida, and visit the sick, wa'fukul aniya, and set free the." The captives. This is what we should strive for. Afwan. Um, and it's also a practice of the Salaf. Ali radiallahu anhu said, For me to gather some of my brothers to eat a saw of food is dearer to me than entering your market and buying a slave and setting him free. And he just to gather the Muslimin together, especially the poor and the needy, and have a meal together. Give him something simple of food. A saw, that's it. Right? And this is, this is better than going to the marketplace and buying a slave and setting him free. Abu Ja'far Muhammad ibn Ali anhu said, For me to call ten of my companions and offer them food that they like is dearer to me than setting free ten of the sons of uh, Ismail. Again, showing the status that these Imams of the Salaf Ali, and I think this is his son, radiallahu anhu wa rahimahullah, how they viewed the issue of feeding, feeding the poor, feeding the needy, and feeding the fellow Muslim brothers and so forth. Wallahu a'lam. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the next trait that these people have, فَوَيْلٌ لِلْمُصَلِّينَ So woe to those who pray, the musallin. 
Right? Of course, if we stopped on this ayah, it would not make sense. How can Allah say, woe to those who make salah? The next ayah would, of course, add on to what's meant by this. Firstly, the word wail. We've discussed this word wail before. Right? What does wail mean? Wailul. He said many ayat, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions wailul to so many, to, to certain people. Wailul likulli humazatil lumaza. Right? We spoke about that over there. Woe to those who, every humaza and lumaza. Wailul lil mutaffifin. Right? Wailu yawma idhilil mukadhibin. And so forth. Many ayat. Wail means woe unto you. Yani a punishment unto you. The punishment of Allah is upon you. So it's a severe warning from Allah when He uses this type of term, terms for people to take note of. Allah's punishment is upon these people. Wail is also a valley in Jahannam. It's a valley in Jahannam that's found. This could mean that they will go to that valley. Wallahu a'lam. Right? The point is, for us to take note, when Allah uses this type of words, it's a threat, it's a warning for us not to be like them. For us not to be like them. Which musalleen? Why is Allah saying, woe unto the musalleen? Why? Specifically, not every musalli, of course. Which type of musalli? The musalleen who are, الَّذِينَ هُمْ عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ They are mindful, unmindful of their prayers. Yet are, so Allah says, woe to the musalleen, Right, who are unmindful of their prayers, who are unmindful, sahun, sahun of their prayers. Right, Ibn Kathir, rahimullah, he said that Ibn Abbas, radiallahu anhuma, and others have said this means the hypocrites who pray in public but do not pray in private. So Allah here is speaking about who the munafiqun, those people who pray in public out in the open for all to see, but in private they don't make salah. But in private day, they don't make salah. Right? This is one interpretation. So this ayah is very broad. As we're going to see some different examples are given, the ayah is broad in its meaning. And it's important to understand all of the various aspects that this ayah covers so that we know whom Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about and warning us against so that we do not become like them or that if we are and we have these traits, that we take heed and we repent and we change. This is the, this is the whole idea of studying these ayat taking lessons from it, reflecting over it, and having a change as bi'idhnillah for the best. So this is one interpretation. Who are the unmindful ones of the prayer that Allah is saying, woe unto them? Ibn Abbas and others have said, it refers to the munafiqun, who pray in public, but they do not pray in private. So they are unmindful of their prayers. And Ibn Kathir carries on and he says, there are those people who pray and adhere to the prayer, yet they are mindless of it. They are mindless of it. So they make salah. They stick, they pray, they pray. But they are mindless of it. And there's no focus, no concentration, no khushu'. There's no importance given to it. There's no real respect for the salah. There's no value given to the salah. So he says this may either be referring to its act entirely. They are mindless of it. The whole salah, they just, it just gets done and dusted and there's no benefit from it at all as Ibn Abbas said, or it may be referred to, referring to performing it in its stipulated time that has been legislated Islamically. So this is another thing. They pray, but they pray outside of the time. So they make Fajr, but they make Fajr at 10 a.m. or 12 a.m. every single day. If a person oversleeps from time to time, now and then, right? This is possible. It can happen to a believer. Now and then. But every day, too often, this is a bad sign. This is a sign that 
He's mindless of it. This is sahun of the salah. And this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about. So this is a sign of a, of a hypocrite. Wallahu musta'an. As we know a hadith said, the heaviest of salah upon the hypocrites is Isha and Fajr. Isha and Fajr is the hardest for them to pray. It's heavy upon them. Every salah is heavy upon them. But those two are the heaviest upon them. Isha and Fajr. Um, so this is another interpretation that it could be that certain aspects of the salah are mindful or they are unmindful of meaning. They, they don't give it its due value and respect and importance. So they oversleep or they delay it over the time. So they pray. Uh, so some people what they do is, they go to work. They work the whole day at campus the whole day, perhaps youngsters. And at night, they make like they make taraweeh, Zuhr, Asr, Maghrib, Isha, all together. This is, this is not permissible. And in reality, those salawat are not accepted according to the correct view and Allah knows best. Right? Ata ibn Dinar, rahimahullah, he said, Alhamdulillah, ladhi, praise is due to Allah. All praise is due to Allah. The one who said, the one who said, عَنْ صَلَاتِهِمْ سَاهُونَ with their salah or sahun. And he did not say, fi salatihim sahun. Those who are absent minded in their prayer. And there's a huge difference between the two. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, alladhina hum an, an salatihim sahun. They are sahun regarding their salah. In a general sense. And he did not say, they are sahun unmindful or absent-minded in the fi salatihim. So instead of saying an, or instead of saying fi, he said an. Just that one word you could have taken out an and said fi, it would have changed the whole interpretation of the ayah. Just by saying fi instead of about or regarding. An means yeah, regarding or with the salah in the gentle sense. If he said fi, it would have been a different thing. And ata, he praises Allah for this. He's thanking Allah. He's thanking Allah for saying, Alhamdulillah, for Allah saying an salatim and not fi salatim. Why? What's the difference? When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says an salatim sahun, they are absent minded or unmindful of their salah in a general sense. Meaning, it's like those who pray out of the waqt. And those who pray, who don't give importance to the salah. And those who are absent minded, have no khushu at all. And so forth. Right? And we're going to speak about more about what this ayah means. But what's the difference? What is fi salatim? If had it been fi salatim in their prayer, what does that mean? That means once they make salah and their mind wanders, then this punishment would be applied to them. Then this would be a, a warning against them. But Allah didn't say that. Fi salatim means you forgot something in the salah, you're punishable. You skipped something in the salah, by accident you forgot. That's fi salatim. So technically had Allah said fi, that would have been punished, blameworthy for that. But Allah didn't say that. Allah said an salatim. It's more general, not as specific as within the salah they are sahun. Because all of us, in our salah, we become sahun. At times we forget things. At times our mind wanders a little bit. And then we come back and we try to focus. At times we, we make a mistake. We skip a raka'ah. At times we skip the tashahud. That's fi salatihim sahun. We are all fi salatihim sahun in reality. Even the Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam made mistakes in his salah. Skipped a raka'ah yeah. Ended the salah early yeah. And so forth. A hadith speaks about it and he said, I forget just like you forget. I am a man and I forget just like you forget. So you must remind me if I make a mistake. 
This is what happened. So, had Allah said, Fee salatim, we would all be guilty, we would all be blameworthy, and we would all be, be punished by Allah. But Allah didn't say that. Walhamdulillah. Allah said, An salatihim. Regarding their salah, they are sahun. Yani, these people are lazy to make salah. They don't like making salah. They pray late, out of the waqt. They pray in a way that's not befitting at all. And we're going to carry on and see more what's meant by this, right? Other opinions that Ibn Kathir mentions is, it could also mean the first time of the prayer. Which means, they always delay it until the end of its waqt, or they usually do so. This can also be what's meant by this ayah. Meaning, those people who always delay the salah. So the first thing he said was, is, besides the, what Ibn Abbas said about the munafiqun, those who pray in public and not in private, he then mentioned those who pray out of the waqt. So the waqt ends at 7 o'clock, they pray half past 8. If Asr ends by Maghrib, they pray Asr Isha time. That's one thing. Another interpretation is, they all make salah late, but within the waqt. So Asr comes in at 4 p.m., Maghrib's at 8 p.m., for example, they pray Asr 5 to 8, 10 to 8. 10 minutes left now, let's go make Asr quickly. Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar, and quickly finished. And with Maghrib, the same. With Isha, the same. With Fajr, the same. With Dhuha, the same. So usually, what do they do? They always, or they, they often, pray right at the end of the waqt. This can also be an salatihim sahun. Allah is warning against. The fawailu li musallin. Woe to those people who make salah. This is how they make salah. It may also refer to not fulfilling its pillars and conditions and in the required manner. This is another way of an salatihim sahun. They don't fulfill the shurut of salah properly. They don't worry about the shurut. We all should know by now the shurut of salah. Facing the qibla, covering the awrah. And that may be a good example. How many people make salah? Right? And when they go into ruku and sujood, you see their backside is open. That's a shurut of salah not being fulfilled. Because covering the awrah is shart. It's a condition for the salah. So these people, they pray, but the awrah is exposed. How is the salah supposed to be accepted? Wallahu musta'an. Another condition of salah, many. Time, the waqt, is one of the conditions. We spoke about that. Um, tahara. Do people wash themselves properly, take wudu properly, and so forth. Subhanallah. The arkan of the salah. The fatiha is a rukun of the salah. Many others, the ruku, the sujood, do they do these things properly? Many people don't. We see people doing the sujood, his nose is in the air. Doing ruku, just basically barely bowing properly. Or his arms are on the ground in sujood. And so forth. These are basic mistakes, but you see people making them. An salati imsahud means they, ha- they don't do it properly. Yani they haven't bothered to learn. Nor do they give it enough care to really study it properly and to actually try to implement the salah properly. Another opinion is it could also mean performing it with humility and contemplation of its meanings. Yani when they pray, there's no khushur. There's no khushur. There's no focus, no humility, no standing in front of Allah with humbleness. Where we understand we are standing in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We have to be humble, we have to be, you know, in our place. So we stand with humility, we stand with focus and concentration. And what we try to recite is what we understand. Hence, one of the main reasons of doing this course is, these are the often recited surahs in salah. These are the often, or the surahs that most people have memorized. So these are at least the surahs we should know and understand. Have a, at least have an 
overall understanding of what the surah stands for. You don't necessarily have to understand it word for word. This is what I personally believe. As long as you have a good understanding of what each ayah means and stands for, when you recite or the imam recites, you know what the surah is all about. You know what Allah is telling you in the surah. There are certain words that might stand out the miskin. We should know what that word means. Yatim, orphan, you know, and so forth. And we understand, okay, this is what the surah is talking about. We have some reflection as the imam is reciting or as you are reciting in the salah, you can contemplate. The fatiha, we must know. We must know the meanings of it. If we don't, then we are an salatim sahun according to this interpretation of the ayah. Yani we are not, we are unmindful of the salah. Because this is a, a, a pillar of the salah. The fatiha is a rukun. It must be part of every rak'ah. Wallahu alam. And the wording of the ayah comprises all of these meanings. Ibn Kathir says, all of these things we just mentioned, all of the above, it's all inclusive in this ayah, an salatim sahun. A Muslim, this is the main pillar of the deen. Umudu deen, of course, after our belief, the shahada. But what's more important than salah? Nothing. After our belief, nothing is more important than salah. Salah is so important, right? And it has to be done properly. It has to be done properly, and this is what it's all about. Khushu' on time, fulfill the shurut, fulfill the, the arkan of the salah, the wajibat of the salah, pray with focus, with humility, and so forth. Pray with it in public, you do it for the sake of Allah, not to show off, which we're coming to. Very, very powerful and important that we become people who pray mindfully and not unmindfully, as the surah is telling us. Uh, he then says, however, whoever has any characteristic of this that we have mentioned, in, then, then a portion of this ayah applies to him. So sometimes we may not be guilty of all, but we may be guilty of one or two. Then a portion of this ayah applies to us. And whoever has all of these characteristics, then he has completed his share of this ayah. Allahu alam. Allahu musta'an. And the hypocrisy of actions is fulfilled in him. Hypocrisy of actions meaning, yani in Islam, we have two types of hypocrisy. Nifaq. You have nifaq i'tiqadi, which is the hypocrisy in one's belief. Meaning a person, he shows he's a Muslim, but inside he's not a Muslim. So he's actually a kafir, but he acts as an actual Muslim. Right? Then you have nifaq of actions. So he's a Muslim, but in his actions he's got hypocrisy in it. This is an example of hypocrisy in one's actions. And there are others example. For example, when he speaks, he lies. He takes an oath. He breaks his oath. He takes a, makes a promise. He breaks his promise. When he has a dispute, he becomes oppressive and rude and abusive. That's, 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 that's the attributes of nifaq and others. This is another example. If all of these actions applies to him, or all of these interpretations and things that we mentioned applies to him, he's a fool, he's a real munafiq in terms of his actions. He's a Muslim, but his actions is that of a hypocrite. Wallahu musta'an. Uh, this is also confirmed in the two sahihs, Bukhari and Muslim, that the Prophet sallallahu said, tilka salatun munafiq. Tilka salatun munafiq, tilka salatun munafiq. That is the prayer of the munafiq, or this is the prayer of the munafiq, this is the prayer of the hypocrite. He said it three times. Yajlisu yarqubu shamsa hatta idha kanat bayna qarnay shaytan qama fa naqara arba'an la yathkirullah fiha illa qalila. Subhanallah. He sits. He's busy with whatever he's busy with. Watching the sun until it's between the two horns of the shaytan. Then he stands up. And picks four rakahs. He picks it, meaning up and down, kiss the ground. Right? Picks it, meaning just quickly up and down. And he does not remember Allah in them. Illa qalilan. Except very little. That's the salah of the munafiq. Delays it right to the end of the waqt. 
Then stand up and praise quickly. Up and down, finished. Barely remembers Allah. That is the salah of the munafiq. That is the salah of the munafiq. That is the salah of the munafiq. That's what Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said. The hadith is describing the end of the waqt of the asr prayer specifically. We could apply to any other prayer. But specifically it's speaking about the asr prayer because it's mentioned in another, in another hadith. So this is the time in which it is disliked to pray. At, we're not supposed to be praying technically after asr between asr and maghrib. So once we make asr, after then it's not supposed to be making salah. But this person will delay the asr right until that moment, picking it like the picking of a crow. And no khushu', no tranquility, no tuma'nina, no sakina, no nothing. Hence the Prophet said about this prayer, لا فيها إلا قليلة. He does not remember Allah in them except very little. Again, we should look at these things and look at these ahadith and ask ourselves, is this the way I'm praying? If so, I need to change. I need to make tawbah. And if not, alhamdulillah. He probably only stands to pray it so that the people will see him praying. Because he is still speaking and not seeking the face of Allah. He's not doing it for the sake of Allah. He's doing it because people are watching him. This is just as if he did not pray at all. No, no benefit in his salah. Whether he prayed or not, if this is the way he prays, it's as if he, did not, he never prayed in the first place. Especially when he's showing off as well. As Allah says, إِنَّ الْمُنَافِقِينَ يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَهُوَ خَادِعُهُمْ Indeed, the hypocrites, they seek to deceive Allah. But it is he who deceives them. You cannot deceive Allah. وَإِذَا قَامُوا إِلَى الصَّلَاةِ When they stand for salah, قَامُوا كُسَالًا They stand up with laziness. يُرَاءُونَ النَّاسَ And to be seen by people. وَلَا يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ إِلَّا قَلِيلًا And they do not remember Allah but a little. But very little. This is the salah of the munafiq. The salah of the munafiq is how? He stands up lazily. And he stands up to be seen, to show off. So people can see him. He's an actor. And he does not remember Allah except very little. Again, ask yourself, is this me or not? If it is me, I need to change. And if it's not, alhamdulillah. I need to ask Allah for steadfastness and to continue upon this way. ta'ala. Right? Very important. Ibn Uthaymi rahimahullah explains on this ayah, he is neg- neglectful of the salah. He does not pray it in the desired way. There's a way that we're supposed to make salah physically. Besides the spiritual aspect and the way our focus is supposed to be, physically there's a way, a very specific way that the Prophet ﷺ taught us to make salah. It's important that we study how to make salah according to the sunnah. He delays it beyond its preferred waqt. Right? We spoke about this. Does not fulfill its ruku' or sujood. We spoke about this. Doesn't barely does it properly. Sitting or standing, he doesn't do it properly. He does not decide what's the obligatory recite of the Qur'an or dhikr. Whether it's the Fatiha or whatever surah he's supposed to be reciting, he doesn't do a good job or he neglects it completely or he just stands there. You know, he's just standing there to show people. He's barely saying anything. He's just standing there. When he prays, he's heedless. His heart moves from left to right. He's thinking about this and about that and about this and about no focus or anything. He's unmindful of the salah and this is blameworthy. This we can be punished for. If this is how we are with regards to the salah. Then Allah says, الَّذِينَ هُمْ يُرَاءُونَ So, woe to the people who make salah. Who? Those who are unmindful of the salah and those who only show off. Those who are يُرَاءُون. They are making salah to show off. Allah says, woe unto them as well. Woe unto them as well. Ibn Kathir, rahimahullah, said, Imam Ahmad, he quotes a hadith, 
where Amr ibn Murra said, we were sitting with Abu Ubaidah when the people mentioned showing off. And a man known as Abu Yazid said, I heard Abdullah ibn Amr saying, radiallahu anhumah, that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, man samma'a al-nasa bi'amalihi, samma'a Allahu bihi, samia khalqihi wa haqqarahu wa saghgarahu. Whoever tries to make the people hear of his deeds, he tries to make people hear about him that he did this, whether it's sadaqah, whether it's Quran that you recite, whether it's whatever. He wants people to hear about him, about what he did of righteousness. Allah, the one who hears his creation, will hear it and make him despised and degraded. Haqqarahu wa saghgarahu. So a person who's seeking reputation or he's seeking to show off, he wants people to hear about him and talk about him, about how so-called righteous he is, Allah will dis- make him humiliated. Allah will degrade him. This is the punishment of, you know, riyah. From what is related to his statement, those who do good deeds only to be seen, is that whoever does a deed solely for Allah, but the people come to know about it, and he is pleased with that, then this is not considered showing off. So just on this point, if, if you do something for the sake of Allah, and people then hear about it, you know, and they talk about it, and your intention was never to please them in the first, that's not showing off, right? That's not showing off. Ibn Uthaymin said, when he does any act of obedience, his intention is the adulation or praise of the people, or that he can gain some status among the people. His intention is not to do closer to Allah. The show off, person who shows off, he gives charity so people can say what a generous person. And he beautifies his salah so people can say how beautifully he makes salah. Right? These are the show-offs. This is what they do. The foundation of the worship is still for Allah. They do make salah for the sake of Allah. They give charity for the... But also, along with that, he wants the people to praise him. He's looking for adulation. So he seeks to go close to the people by their closeness to Allah. So because people love sadaqah, because people love jihad, because people love Quran, this person knows these things. So what does he do? He does these things to impress them. Because they are close to Allah, because they love these, these good deeds, he does them seeking their praise. He does these things so that they can praise him, so that they can love him in return. This is the mura'i, the show of Allah Musta'an, Allah protect us. As for those who pray for the sake of the people, and this is now even more extreme, so he does it only for the people, not even for the sake of Allah at all, then this person is a major mushrik. A mushrik and a disbeliever whose abode will be the fire. However, the show-off is the one who does things for the sake of Allah, but also for the people, seeking their praise as well. And this, this is what happens with the hypocrites. And another example is the qari in the salah, the imam. If he beautifies his voice in the salah for the people, seeking praises, then he too is a show-off. And this is why it's so important that we take care of our niyyah. The niyyah, the niyyah comes first. The niyyah, the niyyah comes first, Right? The Prophet said in the hadith, Man samma'a, samma'a Allahu bih. Wa man ra'a, ra'a Allahu bih. If anyone wants to have his deeds widely publicized, Allah will publicize him with humiliation. And if anyone makes a hypocritical display of his deeds, Allah will make a display of him. Allah will expose him. So the, the punishment for this is Allah will expose him in detail. Allah will actually humiliate such a person who is seeking to show off. In another hadith, which is a scary hadith and a very, very important hadith because it shows us the severity of showing off. 
Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, when the day of Qiyamah comes, Allah azza wa jal will come down to judge between his slaves. And every nation will be kneeling. The first ones to be called on Qiyamah will be a man who learned the Quran by heart. A hafidh or a reciter. A man who fought for the sake of Allah, mujahid. And a man who had lots of wealth. So Allah will say to the Quran reciter, did I not teach you that which I revealed to my messenger, the Quran? He will say, yes, O my Lord. And he will say, what did you do with that which I taught you of the Quran? He will say, I used to read it night and day. This is what I did with it. Allah will say to him, Kathabd, you lied. And the angels will say to him, you have lied. And Allah will say to him, rather you wanted it to be said that so and so is a reader of the Quran. And that is what was said. Your intention was only for people to say what a beautiful reciter you are. And that was what was said about you. And then what will happen to him? The wealthy man will be brought forth. And Allah will say to him, Did I not give you ample provision so that I did not leave you in need of anybody? He will say, Yes, my Lord. And he will say, What did you do with what I gave you? He will say, I used to uphold the ties of kinship and I used to give in charity. Allah will say to him, You have lied. And the angels will say to him, You have lied. And Allah will say, Rather, you wanted it to be said that so-and-so is generous and that is what was said. Your intention was only to be called a generous man. And that's what people said about you. That's why you put your name all over the show. That's why you gave charity in public. That's why you told people how much you gave. So people can say what a generous man you are. Then the one who died in the sake of, for the sake of Allah, apparently, will be brought forth. And Allah will say to him, why were you killed? He will say, I was commanded to fight in jihad for your sake. So I fought until I was killed. Yani for your sake. Allah will say to him, you've lied. And the angels will say to him, you've lied. And Allah will say, you wanted it to be said that so and so was courageous. And that is what was said. Your intention was, people must say after I die, what a brave man. And after he died, that was what people said. Yet a mujahid, he was so brave. Then the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam struck my knee and said, Oh Abu Hurairah, these three are the first of the creation who will be dragged into the fire on the day of Jahannam. In another narration it says, each one will be taken and dragged on his face and thrown into Jahannam. Because there were people who showed off. Purely because there were people who showed off. The first people that will be brought, this is what will be said to him, you've lied and so forth. They will be then dragged on their face and thrown into Jahannam. Subhanallah. This is just to show us the importance of ikhlas. And not to be people of, of shirk. Shirk can be major or minor. This is minor shirk. Showing off is minor shirk because it's not ikhlas. It's not major shirk because we're not worshipping the people. We are still worshipping Allah but not with sincerity. We are worshipping Allah but also trying to please others. And to show off to others. So that's a type of, it's a type of shirk. Because it's not purely for the sake of Allah but it's minor shirk. Right? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, the thing I fear most of my ummah, ash-shirkul khafi, the hidden shirk. They said, Ya Rasulullah, what is this? He said, it is riya. Riya is minor shirk. In another hadith, the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, he said, O oh, people, beware of the shirk. Referring to the minor shirk, this hidden shirk. For it is more subtle than the footsteps of an ant. It creeps up on you. It can creep up at all times. So he said, the one whom Allah world should speak, said to him, or he never said, but it was said, the one whom Allah wants to speak, said to him, how can we be aware of it when it is more subtle than the footstep of an ant? And he said, O Rasulullah, and he said, say, now here is a dua for us to recite to, to protect ourselves from hidden shirk or from riya and from showing off. 
He said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika an nushrika bika shay'an na'lamuhu wa nastaghfiruka lima la na'lam. Oh Allah, we seek refuge with you from knowingly associating anything with you and we seek your forgiveness for that which we do unknowingly. So what is the Prophet saying here? If you recite this dua, it will insha'Allah protect you against minor shirk or the shirk of showing off Allahul Musta'an. The last ayah of the surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَيَمْنَعُونَ الْمَاعُونَ And they refuse to give even the simplest aid. Al-ma'oon, even the simplest aid. Ibn Kathir rahimullah explained and he said, this means that they do not worship their Lord well. These people that Allah is describing in this surah, they don't worship Allah properly. Nor do they treat His creation well. So firstly, they don't treat the creation well. As you can see in this ayah, they don't give aid. The previous ayat, they don't want to feed the poor, nor do they are they good to the orphans. And they don't worship their Lord well, how? They don't make salah properly. Salatum sahun, alayhim yura'un, the show-offs. And then he said, they do not even lend that which others may benefit from and be helped by. Their hearts are hardened, hard, hardened, even though the object will remain intact and be returned to them. Yani whatever you give, what's going to happen to it? Either Allah gives you tenfold in this world, or he keeps it for you in the akhirah. It's never lost. Whatever you give is never lost. In fact, the hadith is anfiq unfiq alik. The hadith is spend and you will be spent upon. Ibn Kathir then said these people are even stingier when it comes to zakah and different types of charity that bring one closer to Allah. And this is the reality. It's not just the others. Even when it just comes to charity or even the zakah which is wajib, they find ways not to pay. They find ways to escape and so forth. Al-Mas'udi narrated from Salama ibn Kuhayl who reported from Abu al-Ubaydin that he asked ibn Mas'ud about al-Ma'un. What is al-Ma'un? They, they hold back the Ma'un. So what is al-Ma'un? It is what the people give to each other like an axe, a pot, a bucket and similar items. This is why it's translated as the simplest aid. You know it's when you go to your, your neighbor, your family member, I need a screwdriver, I need a hammer. Don't you have a certain pot I can use? Um, do you have a bucket I can use? Do you have this I can use? An axe? Whatever it may be. You just need something simple to lend and they say no. يَمْنَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ الْمَعُونَ yeah, refers to simple aid, meaning things that are just given in general to help each other with quickly. You lend from somebody and you give it back. Ibn Uthaymin said, when they refuse to give vessels or utensils, this is the refusal of ma'un. A person requests a light. Especially back then, this was always something needed, a lantern. Today it's also needed. <laughs> load shedding and all these things are happening in South Africa. We need all these types of lamps and lights and things. A bucket, a utensil, anything simple. And he refuses to give it. Ibn Uthaymi says, this is blameworthy. For what? Why? Yamna'un al-ma'un. He withholds, he prevents giving the simplest aid. Simple things that he can give, but no. Withholding al-ma'un, he says, is of two types. That which is sinful and that which is not sinful. Although a person misses out on reward. So what is sinful meaning? When somebody needs something badly and they are in need of it and you refuse. An example he gives is a person who is in real desperation and he has no food or drink. And he comes to you asking you just for water. Simple aid. Ma'un. Simple. And you say no. Turn him away. Out of harshness, out of rudeness, out of arrogance. And some scholars even said if that person were to die, then you would be liable. The one who refused to give would be liable. And he would have to pay a full diya, meaning in terms of blood money. Um, as for that which is not wajib, yani somebody comes to you and he asks you, uh, can I borrow something simple, you know? 
it's not necessarily desperate, and you say no, for no reason. So, could you say that's sinful? Probably not, right? Because there's no real need, but he, he needed it, but uh, it's not something out of necessity or something in terms of desperation, but you miss out on a lot of reward you could have gotten by just giving him something simple. You understand? So it's not the way of a believer to withhold things and to be harsh with people and to chase people away from If you know somebody steals and somebody never returns things, then that's different. Then we can say you've learned your lesson. لا يلدغ المؤمن من جوح واحد مرتين رسول الله صلى الله عليه حديث بخاري a Muslim is not staying by the same hole twice so if he knows this about somebody and then he withholds from him that's something different but if a good person comes your neighbor comes your family member comes your friend comes and you know he's going to give it back you know most likely unless something extreme happens he's going to give it back give have an open heart this is the way of a believer Wallahum Sta'an to end off the reason for revelation of the surah, some scholars said it was, it was revealed regarding these people of the Quraysh. Some said Walid ibn Mughira, uh, one of the heads of the Quraysh, Al-Asim ibn Wa'il, heads of Quraysh, Abu Jahal, Amr ibn Sham, or Amr ibn Aid. Some said it was regarding them, difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir, and then some said it was regarding Abu Sufyan. Now Abu Sufyan, it was said he used to slaughter a camel every week. Which means he had wealth and so forth, and every week a camel, camels were pricey, it's still are. Oh. And then one day an orphan came and requested some from him, and what did he do? He beat him with his stick. And then Allah revealed this ayah, and the surah, and as we saw in the surah, obviously, they repulsed the orphans. This could be why some of the scholars said why the surah, or, or, or they mentioned that this is why the surah was revealed, and we can see how it fits into uh, that context. Repulsed the orphans, disbelieves in the year after. In the jaza and so forth, which is what these men did. They were harsh with the orphans and they used to feed the poor. And when it came to salah, they were like munafiqun, uh, you know, making salah to show off. Or they were sahun regarding mind, unmindful regarding the salah. And when it came to just helping people with the simplest aid, they refused. Right? So some of them had these characteristics, some perhaps and didn't. Abu Sufyan, although, became a Muslim later on. So we say, radiallahu anhu. For him, and of course, he changed his ways. Alhamdulillah, Yerobbil Alameen. Thus, this surah is again a powerful surah, and it teaches us so many lessons of how not to be and how to be the opposite of, right? And each person should now ask himself, Do I have the characteristics that are found in the surah or not? Am I a person like this? These points that were mentioned, if I am, let him repent. If I am, I should make tawbah. Because Allah is Ghafur Rahim. He forgives every single sin. So let the person repent and change. And this is again why we study, why we learn. So we can better ourselves. We can learn and become better and stronger Muslims. If not, if he's not a person with these characteristics, Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. You should thank Allah Azza wa and be grateful to Allah and continue upon goodness. And ask Allah for thabat. Ask Him for istiqamah. Ask Him for steadfastness. That he keeps you grounded and firm and so forth. Wallahu musta'an. And again we see the importance of pondering the Quran and its meanings so that we can benefit from these great ayat. These ayat that we know from memory, but many of us don't know what they actually mean. So now when we go through these surahs again, we see how powerful these surahs are. These small, simple surahs. But how, how much of an impact it's supposed to have on us. Subhanallah. Walhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Until next week, bi'idhnillah, we will move on to surah al-Kawthar. 
insyaallah taala wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajmain subhanakallahumma wa bihamdik asyhadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka wa atubu ilaik